Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, interviewing on Skype, part two. Here we go. Now, folks, you're going to be at home in your natural environment, and it can be easier to relax. What if it's like 8 o'clock at night? Let's say I'm in LA. I'm in New York. Somebody wants to interview me in LA, and I say, can we do it at the end of the day? And they say, sure, fine. I can call you at 5.30. And you say, that's great. It's 8.30 here. So I'll just go to an unoccupied cube on the floor, and I'll use that. The company's bandwidth is better than mine. You know, I've got a dish, so it's not that good. You're, you're saying I can't do that? I have to do this at home? Well, unless the company is paying you to interview. Which I, oh, they're, yeah, they're probably not. I don't know. And you, I mean, your performance is probably so poor that they're, they're just they're begging you to interview. The broadband and Wi-Fi at Starbucks is pretty good, actually. Do you? Oh, that's, you that's good. I, no, no, folks. It's for all the reasons we just talked about before. <laughs> it's pretty hard to do it at Starbucks. And you no. have a professional image. Mike just glosses over because you're at home. But folks, you have to do this at home. Well, the point I was going to make is, yeah, you have to do it at home. You potentially be relaxed. And it's going to be harder to convey the kind of energy you would have in an in-person interview. And since energy is one of those things that interviews really look for, really look for, you can't give in to that tendency. And one way to convey energy is to sit up. Yeah. You know, when we were plebes, what we had to do was we had to put our bottoms up against the back of the chair, and then we had to put our fist behind uh, the middle part of our back, the lower part of your back, your low back, above your tailbone, right, in the curved part of your spine. And in a typical flat-backed chair, you were supposed to be able to put your fist between the middle lower part of your back and the back of the chair. And that would cause you to, if you'll pardon the expression, throw your stomach out a little bit. And what happens when you do that is your shoulders fall back. If you then try to think about a crane lifting both of your shoulders up a little bit, I don't mean by shrugging your shoulders, but lifting the top of your head and your shoulders up a little bit. What ends up happening is you actually sound better, by the way. Your diaphragm is more available to make noises for you. But in addition, you come across as more alert, more sharp, And part of the reason why is because this is what people see on video images all day. People who are professionally trained and paid a quarter of a million dollars a year to sit in front of a TV camera. We are biased by what we see in other video images when people are talking to us. And they're comparing you to a news anchor who has a stylist, who has a person who cuts their hair every day, who has their suits tailored a certain way, and who is sitting in a chair that's designed to make them sit up. Now, you can see on some shows, some morning shows now, you see the host leaning back and so on. But if you look real carefully, you'll see they're not sitting back as far as you and I would normally sit back when we're casually just chatting amongst friends here. They're actually working really hard to keep their spine angle pretty darn vertical. So move your bottom all the way to the back of the chair. Give yourself a firm base. And by the way, don't tuck your feet around the legs of the chair. Put your feet flat on the floor. Okay? If you're not used to doing this, and I'm going to make a comment here that will irritate some people, but I'm going to be very blunt. If you're in the technical arena, you've learned how to sit at your desk, hunched over the keyboard, writing code. 
that may work for you with code, and I don't care if you wear stupid hats if you write brilliant code. Nobody's going to correct you for bad posture. Uh, some big companies actually will while you're writing code, and they'll give you weird chairs to allow you to do it and, and ergonomic keyboards to encourage it and so on. The fact is the average technical person, particularly the younger technical person that I talk to today, 30 and under, has terrible posture when I see them interviewed. They sit the way they sit the normal way. You you mentioned about energy. I, I often graph energy for people. And the way I graph it is if you have a standard Y, XY plot, I start my finger at Y of 10 and X of zero. And I draw a line across to the right, time going on the x-axis and energy being on the y-axis, I draw a line from y t- x0, y10 down to x10, y1. And then at the very end, I'm sorry, x9, y1. And then at x10, the graph shoots back up and it ends up going back up to about y7 and x10. So right at the very end, there's a, a sharp gap, a sharp uptake. And what the candidate wants is for the, the recruiter to take an average of the Y10 and the Y7 and say, that guy's an, you know, he's a, shoot, he's an 8.5 in energy. Well, that's not what the recruiters remember. The recruiters remember that Y1 that you had at X9, okay? What smart candidates do is in large part by sitting up and reminding themselves constantly. And by the way, if you're not ready to do this, you may have to practice a little bit, otherwise you're gonna get really tense in an hour-long Skype interview, feeling like you're faking it. And if you've ever tried to fake a smile for five minutes, you know how that feels. And so you have to practice, you have to rehearse. If you're gonna do a Skype interview, folks, you need to rehearse with Skype, okay? Or put a video camera on your computer, on the top of your computer, and videotape yourself and watch your Skype quality video and see how good you sound and and how good you look in your suit and sitting up straight with your butt against the back of the chair and so on. You're not going to be able to avoid having your energy fall every once in a while. You're not, okay? What we try to do is recommend you end up with a sawtooth graph where you start out at X0, Y9, and you go down to X1, Y8, and then you go to X2, Y9, And then you go to X3, Y7 maybe. And then you go X4, you're back up to Y8 or Y9. And you keep the sawtooth pretty high across the top. Yes, you're going to flag a little bit as you deliver an answer and you pause and so on. But you have a little Mark or a little Mike or a little Wendy or a little Maggie sitting on your shoulder saying, come on, come on, come on, stay up, stay up, stay up. Rather than doing that long slide down to the interview and then catching yourself going, oh my gosh, this is already over. I better show some energy and hope that they average out my first moment and my last moment, which sorry folks, we're not going to do. So shoot for the sawtooth graph and one way you can start on that is by practicing sitting up. And again, you may need new muscles to sit up. We're not judging you. We're simply saying we will judge you if you sit that way in an interview. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks. The other thing is you have to pay attention. Like Mark, I do, Maggie does, Winnie does. We all work from home most of the time. I wish I worked from home. Are you at home now? I'm not at home. Are you Are you saying I should <laughs> yeah, be at home? I, I, I'll be happy to go home. I'll be happy to go home. I'd like to be home. That'd be good. Like I said, most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> you're, okay, you're in some enough. hotels. Well, most of the time you city. are, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we know how hard it is to pay attention on conference calls or even in one-on-ones, right? It's, it is. It's hard, right? The mailman comes, a dog barks, there's a, there's a knock on the door, there's somebody talking in the other room, and it's easy to be distracted by those outside noises. Even if the conversation, because believe me, our conversations, folks, 
they're always interesting. They're always fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fascinating. Okay, so you're putting your laptop up on this stack of books. What is wrong with above the bookshelf behind your laptop, taking a sheet of paper on, and on your printer, printing out in landscape mode, okay, horizontally, printing out in 72 or 144 point type, two words, pay, carriage return, attention, and scotch tape or, or push pin that up against a book or against the bookshelf above your, uh, right above your webcam and be looking at the webcam and have that pay attention sign as big as the screen of your laptop right above it saying, pay attention, stay focused. That yeah. little bit of edge, edginess that comes from intensity, in the same way that you gain 10 pounds on camera, you lose 20% of your felt energy um, particularly if you if you talk softly and, and and don't project your voice. And by the way, sitting up helps you project your voice. I mentioned earlier about your diaphragm. Have the pay attention sign there to have that energy level be more of a sawtooth rather than a long, slow decline. Constantly be reminding yourself. This is particularly important on Skype interviews because the camera's on you. And every time you divert your eyes away from the camera, it's a big red uh, – I don't mean a big red sign. It's just very apparent. If you're losing focus, yeah. it is clear as day, and you can't afford to do that. I'll tell you a technique I've learned that at first I got this wrong a number of years ago when we were doing phone interviews and cell phones started coming out. I said, turn off your cell phone, and it was a mistake because in the beginning when cell phones came out, if there was a problem connecting on the landline, they wanted to call the cell phone and say, we're having a problem, just want you to know, let us work it out. Okay. So here's what I recommend now. Yes, your cell phone can be on until you're sure you're part of the call, right? Until you're on. And then, obviously, you can have it on but put the ringer on mute. And then shove it under the mattress or put it on the carpeted floor or put it in a towel or put it away where you can't see it. Do not put it in your pocket. The number of times I've talked to people, and I know I wasn't interviewing them, but folks, if you come to a conference, I'm paying attention to you, I'm evaluating you, you come up to me during a break and you ask me a question, in the middle of asking your question, your hand goes to your pocket because you can't resist the siren call of a potential email that's probably spam anyway, or that's just a distro or a CC. You can't be having that. Now, if you want, turn off your cell phone. No problems there. But you better be sure you've got total comfort with Skype. You've called this number before. You know it's going to work. Otherwise, they may need to call you on your cell phone or send you an email. Um, so be cautious about that. Just turn it off, mute it, and put it out of sight, out of mind, out of earshot for the next 45 minutes or an hour. There's nothing going to happen on that phone that's going to be helpful to you once the interview actually starts. All right. And you can practice this, right? Yeah. The single biggest problem with paying attention is people distracted by their gadgets. Right? It's stupid. It's an epidemic. Yeah. And you could practice. You could listen to podcasts. I dare you. Look, I don't care how good you think our podcasts are. Try listening to the listen to them without looking at anything at all. Okay, if you can play it on your on your iPod. Sit somewhere quietly, put your hands on the chair, close your eyes, and don't move for 35 or 40 minutes during the podcast. I'd be willing to bet 90% of you can't sit still for five minutes. And don't, I don't think I could. I'm not casting on you. I couldn't either. And it's part of a function of how we've allowed ourselves to uh, – we, we've modified our behavior to interact with our digital world in a way that's not effective when you're in an interview. And they still assume because they can see your face. It's as if you're in the room with them and you ought to know not to have your phone on or say, pardon me, I'll, I'll, let me get this. I'll be right back with you. Oh my gosh, let me check to see if that's my wife, right? 
Don't flinch when you hear the doorbell ring. You got to practice that a little bit. And again, we go back to preparation. It makes a difference. There you go. Hey, and folks, this is this is all artificial, right? <laughs> that's what that's what yeah. interviewing is. It's not reality. Yeah, interviewing is an artificial reality designed to keep you out. Let's play the game. If you want to call it a game, if you want to be if you want to be cynical about the game, okay. But the game is that these are the rules, and we write them, and you're going to play by them, or you're going to have to be Einstein. And I just checked, and you're not Einstein. Just saying. Neither am I, by the way. I absolutely know that part of the reason I had the career I had was because I was great at interviewing because I was taught and I busted my tail to be good at it because I thought, well, it doesn't matter how good I am if I don't present well in interviews, so I'm going to do my best. And I discovered that I could be good at it if I worked really hard. And practicing and preparing are two key parts of that. I was talking about the idea of practicing looking at the camera because this is a really interesting one because folks fall into this all the time. So here's a scenario. I'm interviewing with somebody. Her picture is up on the screen. Yeah. And I'm talking at her picture, right? What's wrong with that? I'm looking in the eye. I'm I'm looking her in the eye. That's exactly right. I'm I'm making eye contact with those 35 pixels on my computer screen. There you go. Yeah. No, dudes. And by the way, if you've ever been interviewed on TV, you discover how hard it is to look at a TV camera. Folks, next time you see somebody interviewed on TV, a political show, a business show, whatever, not the news reporter. See how often they look away from the camera. They don't. Almost never. And when they do... You notice it immediately. Again, this is a case where a Skype interview or a video conference with somebody who has power over you, they are uh, biased based on the hours they have watched the other video in their life, TV, and people look at the camera. It makes a difference. Depends where their, where their teleprompter is. And sometimes it's not right next to the camera lens. It's low enough that it's very apparent that they're not looking at the camera. It's only slightly off, but even it being slightly off is disconcerting. Yeah. Early cameras, in fact, the the teleprompters were cards or whatever, and they were to the side of the camera, and it was confusing for people. It really affected people's belief in the the truthfulness of of the the newsreader because he or she would not be looking at the camera. And now, of course, the way the teleprompters work is they have a half-silvered mirror in front of the, the camera, and the camera is looking. They can see the camera lens, but the teleprompter is actually between them and the camera, and they're watching it. And if you look real close, folks, if you look real close at a newsreader, you can see their eyes going back and forth across the words that are scrolling up in front of them. And they're reading the news while looking right at the camera. And they're far enough away that the angle that their eyes have to move left to right is almost undiscernible. But if you look for it, you'll see it. So yeah, you need to practice looking at the camera. There are two things that are kind of pet peeves of mine on this. And they're kind of related. One is, the picture of me that when they're talking to me is way down in the corner of their their computer. Dude, really? You could put my picture anywhere and you can't figure out that the best place for my picture is right up near the camera. So there's a very small distance. Your eyes have to travel between making eye contact, quote unquote, eye contact with me and looking directly in the camera. Okay, duh. Okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking at the picture of me if I'm talking, if I'm asking you a question. You're looking at my facial expressions to get tonal stuff and so on. Fine. You don't have to look at the camera for that. But when you're delivering, in order for me to think I'm looking at you, you've got to look at the camera. And that way, I'll see you looking at me. That said, 
The other thing people do, so the one thing is the big eye movement from the, and oh, by the way, they've got this big juicy monitor and their cameras in the top middle and the, the, the and you literally start to see the side of their face when they're interviewing you, when, when you're being, when, when you're interviewing them. It's really distracting. The other thing is you see them playing with the mouse and moving things around on the screen. <laughs> Oh my God, hold on, let me, and you see their hand moving and you see their eyes. You can watch their eyes track their hand movement. You're like, dude, what are you doing? I just got a mail, sorry. Oh, I'm just telling you, that interview's over, right? I mean, you're not prepared enough to know. As we said earlier, you've got to minimize all that stuff. But part of the reason it's connected is people put your picture, if you're talking to them, in the bottom corner so they can have other stuff up on their screen. Oh my gosh, because it's that important. One other thing, you don't make the person's face as big as the screen because, again, that increases the distance between the camera and where their eyes are on the screen. Make their face fairly small, not, not you know, five pixels by five pixels, but make it fairly small and at the, usually probably in the top center of your screen, as close to the camera as you can get it. So your eyes are only moving up and down. And it's hard and we recommend you practice, okay? If you're sitting in a conference room and you're across a table from one another and you spend the entire interview looking down at the table halfway between me and you because, because in the interview on Skype, you're looking down at my face when in fact the camera is above my face visually to you. You don't come across well. You'll be 50% more effective if you move the picture of the other person as near to the camera as you can possibly be. And look, put a post-it note on the bottom of your screen. I'm sorry, guys. I know this is really high-tech and everything. Podcasts are like, woo, really high-tech stuff. But put a note at the bottom of your screen, and you can say one of two things. Look up, or why are you looking down here? <laughs> there are only two things that matter in this interview visually, in terms of your interaction visually, and they are one, where the camera is, and two, where the eyes of the interviewer are, which should be, hopefully by now, close to it. And it takes some practice to do this. When we first started doing video of me preparing some interviewing video stuff a couple of years ago, oh my gosh, it is sheer hard work to look at the camera all the time. It's hard work. And you have to steal yourself to do it. And practicing, if you know a week in advance, spend a half an hour practicing each day for a half an hour before, before, for every day for a week beforehand so you can get used to the sense of your eyes wanting to be pulled away and you willing them to stay focused on the camera. Okay. Let's move on to preparation the day of. On the day, what do we do to prepare? Yeah. All right, so I've already alluded to some of these things. I mentioned them at the top of the cast, right? You got to minimize other things going on, other data loads on your system. Even if you have the fast internet line, T3, T1, whatever, there's no need to test it by downloading the latest episode of your favorite TV show. And, and by the way, sometimes those things happen in the background or it gets delivered to iTunes and so it starts getting downloaded because you're subscribed or whatever. Turn all that stuff off. In, in Windows, it's Control-Alt-Delete and turn off all the other programs that, yes, I always have Outlook and Word and PowerPoint and Excel and, and Microsoft Project running. No, shut them all down. Absolutely shut them all down. Turn off your TV, right? Gosh, I mean, if you have Apple TV, if you have some internet device or whatever, turn all that stuff off. Turn off the iPads in your house. If your kids have mobile phones and they could be downloading content or downloading songs from some music site or whatever, turn that stuff off. Make them give you your, their phones for an hour uh, or say, you've got to stay out of the house or you got to tell your husband, take the kids and get them out of the house so there's no other bandwidth problems. 
in the house. Technology is reliable, yeah, mostly. But again, it's the double whammy that kills you. It's you start noticing a glitch in the system, and then you start wondering what's going on in the house. It's not the first glitch that's a problem. It's you taking your eye off the ball of the interview that's the problem. And it's you making another mistake on top of the first one of why is the technology not helping. So along those same lines, um, have Skype running and nothing else. No email with pop-ups. No internet browser. In fact, I, I generally... I know people say, oh, let's use our internal uh, conferencing software and you've got to install this widget and this gadget and everything else. And we were just on with a major telecommunications company and it was like, yeah, it's not working today. Ugh, yeah. If that happens to them, it could happen to you, okay? And by the way, folks, you don't even have your resume up in a Word document, okay? You don't. You have it printed out. You could have it uh, uh, scotch taped to a book, which is standing up next to your laptop. You can have it taped to a part of the screen. You could have a 3.5 card on the screen, covering up part of the screen or your backdrop. You know, know what your screensaver is. If your screensaver moves, turn that. Holy Toledo, I'm amazed by this. People have two screens, and one of the screens has a, a screensaver going on while Skype is on this one. And you can see their eyes looking at the screensaver. And by the way, folks, if there's anything reflective behind you, we can see what's on your computer screens. <laughs> and no offense, but if you have a really, if we have a really good connection, I can see what's on your computer screen reflected in your eyes. And don't think I wouldn't use that against you. I know it makes me Machiavelli, but I'm looking for a reason to say no. Yeah. So shut everything down. Control Alt Delete. I think it's Apple option escape, right, to force quit every program. If you want to even be more, you know, if you're, if you're knowledgeable about it, go into system preferences, go into uh, the activity monitor, shut stuff down that you think might be a problem. Golly, if Time Machine or your indexing software is backed up, gee whiz, don't go through a system upgrade or, uh, you know, an operating system upgrade. Don't, you know, Lion just came out in the Apple world. Don't be upgrading to that between the time you find out about your Skype interview and the actual interview. Don't be doing that. Don't be introducing degrees of freedom you don't need. How about notes? I'm excited about notes. I love, I mean, I really feel like we've helped hundreds, if not thousands of people over the course of the years, help them with phone interviews being better because people just think of phone interviews as being, well, I don't get to be my charming self face-to-face, -face, and they're right, but there are all kinds of things you can do to address that. You can absolutely have notes. You need them printed out. We're not, we're not talking about Lotus notes here. <laughs> we're talking yeah, no, no, yeah, notes. yeah. Yeah, printed out notes with your key points that you want to make, your three or five cards from your journal story exercise and so on. And not 18 pages of them spread out across your desk and the floor. If you need 18 pages of notes, you're probably not prepared enough. Your resume and your questions, gee whiz, have your questions right there. Hey, I was reading in a report that, that Asia was soft last year, and yet I noticed that 30% of this business actually supports Asia. How, what was the effect and how might I be involved in trying to improve the Asia business? Take advantage of the fact that you're not directly in front of the interviewer. Now, if you find yourself looking down constantly when you're practicing at your notes, looking for the answer to the, to the question that's coming up, or trying to read from your resume, you got to be careful. You got you to you consider, I either got to move them or I got to throw them away, and I got to get more prepared, okay? The effect of negative eye contact is worse than answering questions badly. Now, look, both things are bad. We want you to have good eye contact and we answer questions well. But not having your notes will allow you to have good eye contact. And if you're well-prepared, you really don't need your notes. Now, <laughs> folks, we, we guarantee you, the time you leave three minutes before the rec recruiter calls you to set up your space and you turn on Skype, 
will be the time your computer decides that it's going to do a full system reset or some other crazy thing. Yeah. You have to be ready way ahead of time. Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong. The only way to get ahead of Murphy is to be set up way in advance. At our conference, our conferences, I'm going to be doing one tomorrow here in the hotel. I start presenting at 8. Our attendees arrive at 7. We go to the conference room between 5.30 and 6 every morning. At every hotel, they say, you're not starting till 8, as if we didn't know that. <laughs> and they say, no one else ever starts this early. Well, if you want to win, if you want to be professional, you get up earlier, right? Early bird gets the worm. And, and there have been times we've gotten down there at 6 a.m. And we are still struggling to get done at 7. Or 7.30 or yeah, even 8. Yeah, both of us. Yeah. And Murphy's Law suggests if you take it for granted and you think you're going to be ready, you won't. And if you show up two hours in advance, everything will be fine. Yeah. Have everything set up and ready 30 minutes before the interview. Yeah, we'll, we'll set up a room the night before, put all the posters and all the, all the, you know, the printouts and stuff on the wall so you're ready to go in the morning. And you walk in and you find out that the whole st- hotel staff removed it all. And yeah. you have to write it all, it all from up. scratch. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like 50 pages, I think I did that. Yeah, in Cincinnati. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Okay. Next, you've got to lock the door to your room. We talked about this in phone interviewing. Okay. Maybe it's a bit extreme, but you do need to tell your family members not to disturb you. Even if your kids are old enough to always obey you, Murphy's Law exists here as well, shut the door such that it cannot be opened. If you can do that, do it. If there's a deadbolt internally, use it, okay? Now, look, if no one tries, it doesn't matter. And if you trust your six-year-old to not open the door and she does, well, that's an embarrassing moment in your interview. And you're going to feel bad about it, and you're going to get flustered, and you're not going to hear the next question. And you know what? They'll forgive you if she comes in. But you won't forgive yourself when you beat yourself up for the next five minutes and your next two answers aren't that good. Yeah, you lose twice. You get yep. interrupted, they'll forgive you, but then you're beating yourself up for the next five minutes and you can't be at your best exactly. when you're doing that. You can't be at your best. Yeah. And that's it. Overview, again, you got to prepare in the days before. It's just like any other interview. It's not as easy as a phone interview. It's harder than a phone interview. It's not as hard as a face-to-face, but it's darn close. It's closer to a face-to-face than it is to a phone interview. There's some special things you got to do for Skype in terms of dressing the part and sitting up and paying attention and looking at the camera. And then on the day of the event, you've got to, you've got to be careful about your technology in terms of closing every other program down, minimizing other data loads all throughout your house. Uh, and by the way, if you can, have a hardwired rather than a Wi-Fi connection. Okay, you Sure, you can still have notes, but you got to be careful about where you put them so they don't distract you. Be ready ahead of time and lock that door to your room. And then kick butt and do well. Skype interviews are still just interviews. The secret is plenty of preparation, so much so you almost feel rehearsed, but trust me, you'll never sound rehearsed. And when you're rehearsed, you pause and you're comfortable. And when you're comfortable, they see the real you. And if they hire the real you, it's a great fit. But if you play somebody you're not because you're rushing around and trying to project an image that you're not really who you are, what good is it to get an offer when they're hiring somebody you're not? Or, heaven forbid, what if they wanted the real you, and you're not well prepared, so you just kind of fake it, and they like the fake you? Think about that. What if they say no to the fake you, and in fact, they would have liked the real you? The only way the real you is going to come across is if you're so prepared that the preparation 
disappears in your head and you can be yourself because, as I've said before, it's like citing the Pledge of Allegiance. You know what it is and you can do it in your sleep and so you can do it. The pledge is not a good example in terms of doing it naturally because it's rehearsed. It's by rote memory. But if you're comfortable delivering your answers because you're prepared and not worried about how your answers sound, that's when they'll see the real you and that's what you want and that's interviewing success. There you go. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, partner. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.